Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Culture Club, and we've got a great Friday style type of conversation for you because it's time to put the spotlight on wine. Uh, you've noticed that uh, the global wine industry is enjoying a nice comeback following a few challenging years due to restrictions and, of course, COVID 19. This year alone, the global wine market is valued at $333 billion, and it's expected to grow annually at a compound annual growth rate. Rate to 5.2% between now and 2027. But over the past decade, the wine industry has struggled to connect with younger millennial consumers, and more companies are now exploring new ways to attract the younger generation. Well, our next guests will tell us about how they are future proofing the wine category for Gen Z and millennial drinkers. On the line with me is Stephanie Dutton, who is Penfold's Country of Origin Group winemaker. Stephanie, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, Elliot. How are you? Thinking about having a glass of wine, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> on, on a Friday afternoon, that sounds like a very good idea. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Penfolds brand for starters. It is one of Australia's oldest and most iconic wineries, 179 years old. What else can you tell us about the history of the brand? Yeah, I mean, gosh, when you hear 179 years, you know, fast approaching our 180th birthday next year, you realise that there is a lot to reflect on in the rear vision mirror and how Penfolds as a brand and winemaking has changed over the years. But I really like to think that the current winemaking team is probably starting to ask ourselves the question what does the next 180 years have in store for us? And there are so many things that are bubbling away in the pipeline at the moment.、Um, I, I certainly know some of the answers, but there's no way to know everything.、Mm, that's a good question. What does the next 100 years have installed? And one of the first things you start thinking of is the profile of a future wine drinker.、Uh, Stephanie, who, what makes or who is the wine drinker of today? I mean, it's a great question because when we often think of who our wine drinkers are, we, we often think you know, that it's this generational passing of wine down through families and from parents to children. And we often have thought in the past that that's the way recruitment occurs. But I think nowadays the wine industry is looking to more creative ways、uh, to drive recruitment and to make sure that their brands and their styles and winemaking is relevant to an audience that spans you know, a much larger, larger age group. Uh, group and, and a more diverse crowd. And I think, you know, for us, one of the things that we've realised is whether the wine drinker is a 25 year old or whether the wine drinker is a 65 year old, male or female, our wine drinkers are always, you know, obsessed with excellence and going after that magical quality bar that is the best of the best. That's the one thing that, that bonds them all together. Yeah, the eye for quality or the taste of quality. And there's been a bit of a, a rise of wine collectors under the age of 40. What are your, your thoughts on this? Your thoughts on the new generation of fine wine connoisseurs? I think there's this lovely notion where young couples are also starting to place a lot of emphasis on collectability. And when you realise that there is a lot of reward in putting a cellar together, you know, whether that's small or whether that's large, you know, it doesn't matter what the scale is, but collecting pieces over time, you know, the same way that people love to collect art over time, the same way that, you know, people like to fill their house with furnishings that they have collected along the journey along the way. I think so. 
some some younger collectors specifically are looking to do that. And my hope is that the collecting always eventuates in consumption, where they're eventually happy to open a special bottle of something that they've been holding on to, because it's what it's meant for, to be enjoyed. Yeah, it is meant to be enjoyed. Stephanie, I'm in, I'm in my 40s. And I remember a time where if you talk about enjoying wine when I was younger, it's always a case of, you know, that wine is like for old people to drink at home while they're having dinner. This is stigma <laughs> is slowly, slowly diminishing. Does it make it easier to connect to what they call Generation Z? Yeah, I think making sure that wine is approachable for everybody is important. And, you know, it's an industry that has been incredibly traditional over many, many of, let's say, decades, centuries, really. And, you know, we're now starting to see, I mean, particularly for Penfolds, we've had collaborations that have unlocked a new consumer base. We have found that we have collaborated with creative directors, you know, for example, Nego this year, which was, you know, a, a huge global rollout where we've been able to, to transcend the wine industry. Now, ultimately, you have to have something in the bottle that is going to appeal to this, this new recruit. But the method of getting there, I think there's been some more creative avenues explored recently. Mm. Uh, coming back to the demand for wine drinkers, according to Sotheby's, Asia uh, is witnessing quite a proliferating thirst for collecting fine wines and spirits. Tell me a bit about how big a market Asia is for penfuls. Oh, Asia is a market that we have been visiting for a very, very, very long time. And, you know, in my 16 years with penfolds, I realized that out of 180, 16 years is just a dot on the map at the moment, a dot on our timeline. But when I speak to my predecessors who have been visiting various markets within Asia for decades, such a long period of time, it's something that I think you have to invest in. There's never a switch that you flick where overnight things change. It's something that you have to make sure that you're always there for your collector, be be obsessed with who they are, understand what their needs are. And I think that that's something that we've been doing in Asia for a very long time. 16 years, maybe a dot on 180 years, but it is quite a time when you look at consumer behavior changes. What have you noticed as far as uh, demand and consumer behaviors have changed within Asia? I think premiumization is Mm. the biggest one that I have seen. I often say to people, you know, we talk about the wine industry and we talk about the fine wine industry. And I've seen this lovely shift to Asian consumers committing to the fine wine industry. And I think that Penfolds definitely sent that signal that that is the industry that we are committed to as well. And so it's been a really good match. You mentioned uh, the focus on fine wine penfolds. You've got the luxury and icon range. Uh, It comprises the iconic penfolds uh, range, arguably Australia's most revered and expensive wine. Tell us a bit about, a little bit more about the strategy as far as the luxury and icon range is concerned business-wise. So I think for penfolds, everything has always started with Grange. I mean, in in 180 years, I split our sort of um, history book into two chapters, Mm -hmm. one that was dominated by fortified wine production before the 1950s and one that was dominated by table wine, which really emerged from the 1950s onwards with Grange. 
and we talk about house style. We, we talk about setting that quality standard in the bar. Grange has always, and I think forevermore, will we'll, we'll do that for Penfolds. And so when you have this family of wines that is created where it sort of cascades down in tiers from Grange, you realise that Grange and 707 for Cabernet, they are our North Star. They are what shape, I guess, everything that we do. And of course, investment potential and some aspirational you know pricing etc is always attached to that because of the notion that is embodied within it yeah well now i know you so i would cheat and ask for your advice but for anyone that doesn't have that privilege (laughs) how how do i navigate this i mean choosing to buy from the different ranges particularly this luxury and icon range what would your advice be to customers I mean, my advice would be to sample where possible. I mean, there are that many retailers and that many restaurants now that provide so many opportunities to sample and you learn what you enjoy. And wine can seem complicated. Wine can seem like it has so many rules attached to it. But really all you need to know as a consumer is is what you like personally. Yeah. And whether that is by variety, whether that is by country, whether that is by region, you work that out along the way, but mm. don't be afraid to try and don't be afraid to find, you know, a retailer that, you know, you trust to guide you in the right direction and um, a restaurant who does the same. Yeah, buy what you like. That's very nice. Uh, this is an interesting topic, diversity in winemaking. Uh, your thoughts on this, uh, the importance of it, and, and where are we going in terms of, of uh, expanding this? Yeah, there's two really important call-outs for me. And, you know, the first one that obviously comes to mind for so many people is, is you know, diversity by way of gender. It's just okay. one area that you can explore. And, you know, if you look back into our history books, the tasting room and the winemaking team, they, they did look very different. And nowadays we've, we've landed in this lovely sweet spot where we do have, you know, equal representation of, of females and males in the industry, but also, you know, more specifically at Penfolds. And I think the winemaking industry has benefited from that mm-hmm. by hearing more diverse opinions and having them at the table. But then you also look at how the global wine industry has connected in recent years, sharing knowledge, and you see this great diversity in you know, northern and southern hemisphere producers exchanging knowledge and exchanging information and winemakers travelling around the world. And I think that input, if you're willing to receive it and be open to it and sharing of knowledge is probably what is going to propel this industry forward the most. Yeah, it's a really good point you bring up. I remember about 10, 15 years ago, a friend of mine featured in the newspaper as one of the first female sommeliers in Singapore. And I went, oh, wait a minute, we don't have more female sommeliers? So that really mm-hmm. is so educational, Stephanie. Thank you for that. Uh, just a final bit I want to touch on. Uh, one of my favorites, artificial intelligence. Apparently, it's stepping into the wine world. How, how does AI play a, a part in this? I think the good news with AI is that when you learn to use it correctly and it's able to help your job, um, I mean, there are huge benefits attached to it. But at the same time, I'm in a job for a little bit longer because I don't think there's any AI technology out there that has been able to prove itself as being worthy as replacing winemakers. And the human palate is incredible in what it is able to detect. And there has been no analysis and no technology that has ever been able to surpass the human palate, which is is good news for me, I guess. But where AI has been fantastic is being able to create support when it comes to labour and operations, Mm. you know, within the winery and helping us, I guess, streamline, I guess, seller work as an example. 
and in fact embracing technology and AI in years to come, I actually think they're the sorts of things that will enable diversity in the works because what was once a very labour-intensive industry is now one where we're relying on craft and technology and taking some of the, the hurdles that we previously had probably to making sure diversity was there. Yeah, I feel that skill transcends gender for sure. Although I'm, I'm guessing you might have something to say when uh, earlier this year, ChatGPT lent a hand in producing the world's first AI blended wine. What were your thoughts on that? <laughs> Look, I think again, when you talk about the fine wine industry, I think collectors and our loyalists are very happy to have some level of price attached to the craft and that generational passing of information and knowledge is is something that we receive gratefully as winemakers. I also hope we pass on graciously and so far chat GTP and AI hasn't quite taken over but who knows what will happen in the future. (laughs) Could it at least maybe bridge the gap in terms of uh, wine appreciation where you're looking at younger millennials, Gen Z wine consumers, uh, maybe even knowledge of, of buying the right type of wine? Absolutely. And even when people are trying to find the right words to describe something, I mean, wine becomes its own language in itself. And I think sometimes that can be daunting to people, but they want to participate in it too. And I think that's where things like ChatGTP can probably help everybody out. Yeah, that's a, that's a great insight. I've been speaking with Stephanie Dutton, Penfold's Country of Origin Group winemaker. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time. You take care and have a great weekend ahead. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.